In this week's In-Ear Insights, we are talking about content marketing and sort of the four pillars of content marketing and the importance of each one. So as a quick refresher, the content marketing pillars are content creation, distribution, which is where you, you, you publish your content, amplification, which is how you get attention on your content, and then performance, which is measuring your content effectively. And you need to do all four reasonably well a gap in any one of these things causes the entire thing to, to fall apart because if you don't create content you have nothing to distribute if you don't distribute your content nobody can find it if you don't amplify it your content just kind of goes out there into the ether and if you don't measure it what was the point in the first place so katie when you think about these four pillars of content marketing how do you think about them from a content marketing strategy perspective <sighs> I think about it in terms of having the right content at the right time for the right audience, which, you know, are hefty questions because first you have to do that audience research and then you need to do that keyword and predictive research to figure out, you know, what they need at the right time. But one of the things that I'm kind of stuck on in terms of how it fits into the strategy is uh, this notion of backlinks. So I know what they are. I know what they do. And we have a client who, compared to their competitors, aren't getting enough backlinks, but they also aren't generating enough content. And so this is kind of where I want to take the conversation because there's a couple of things happening. This is an enterprise size client who already has a lot of content. They already have a ton of content. So what, what purpose will generating more content do for them? And then the backlinks. So this client is focused on conversions, as most people are. Uh, they want to know, like, you know, who's coming into to my site, what are they doing, and did they buy something? And so I'm trying to wrap my head around how backlinks specifically are going to help them with this. And so when I'm thinking about an overall content marketing strategy, I think perhaps that's the piece that I tend to leave out because I can't see that clear path from spending all of your time getting those backlinks to someone buying something. Okay. Well, uh, why don't you start with what is a backlink for those folks who may, may not have heard of the term? Um, my understanding of a backlink is that, so let's say Trust Insights writes a piece of content around how to do content marketing. And then let's say we ask our friends over at Marketing Profs, hey, can you throw a link to our blog into your, you know, onto your website, into your blog? Can you reference it? And so that then becomes a backlink. It's essentially referral traffic, as I understand it. And so, you know, we get our link placed in somewhere in the marketing profs ecosphere. And then would people click on uh, the, our content in their ecosphere, it then is linking back to the Trust Insights stuff. Therefore, it's it's classified as referral traffic in our Google Analytics. Am I understanding all of that correctly? You you are. Uh, that is exactly what a backlink is. It's just a link back to your stuff, right? <laughs> um, here's why it's important. It is the foundation. It is the underpinning of how organic search works. 
from very early on, back in 1997, when Sergey Brin and Larry Page created uh, the very, very first underpinnings of Google, uh, what they chose to do instead of having directories, which at the time were the way people found things, AltaVista and Yahoo and stuff were just really big directories. They said, let's instead measure all the links connecting all the different pages on the web as much as possible. And in order to classify which sites were the most important, they looked at the number of links back to pages. The more links that went into a site, the more they said, hey, all these other pages are voting for this site. So when, you know, a thousand blogs all linked to the New York Times, gosh, the New York Times must be important. Everybody's linking to the New York Times. And so that became sort of the foundation of how Google works. Even today, with over 200 ranking factors, Backlinks are still one of the most valuable and most relevant ranking signals. We know this from, you know, every year Moz and Hrefs and, and SEMrush all publish, you know, the state of SEO uh, stuff. And backlinks are still the gold standard for how do you tell Google your site is important? If you can get more people linking to your site, you are more important. And it drives traffic in two ways. One, like you mentioned, referral traffic. People can just click on the link and go to, to your site. And that's great. And that is actually... Um, really nice because if you think about, we always say to people in SEO, operate as though search engines didn't exist, right? Figure out how do you market your site as though there were no search engines. But even today with Google's advanced AI, the, those links still form its understanding, not only of uh, what site is important from a network graphing perspective, but now they've started to work it into their understandings of what they call expertise, authority, and trustworthiness. Again, lots of links from good sites uh, are upvotes for your site. What they've gotten much better about over the last 15 years is uh, spotting like bot farms and spam blogs and things because people figured out very early on you can spin up 200,000 you know, uh, blog spot blogs and, and just create spammy links to make it look like your site's important. But Google pretty quickly figured that out. So that's why backlinks are so important to SEO because they are the underpinning of here's how you tell Google we're important in that. So the the more of them you have going into your site, the better you show up in search rankings. So let's say I'm responsible for budgeting out, you know, my resources, and I need to figure out how much money goes to content marketing. You're saying that there needs to be a decent amount of my budget dedicated to getting these backlinks for my content marketing in order for me to continue to see conversions and sales. And I think that's the piece, you know, as we're talking about, I'm starting to understand it better, but us communicating how backlinks are an important part of content marketing to someone who's making that decision, I think is a little trickier because it's not a direct, at least as far as I understand, it's not a direct one-to-one -one in terms of, if I get a hundred more backlinks this month, I'm gonna get a hundred more sales. That's correct. It is. It is in. It, well, it's messy. Um, from an SEO perspective, you're absolutely right. There is no, you know, if this then that. If you if you just want to plop down money and get traffic, run ads. Right. Forget mm -hmm. about SEO and just run ads. Um, and you get a pretty clear, you know, one to one. If I put a dollar in the machine, you know, four cents comes out or whatever the, the case may be. <clears throat> from a referral traffic perspective, it can be a little bit more that way. Um, in the sense of if I go out to, say, you know, Martech, uh, Scott Brinker's blog, and 
and I miraculously get a placement out of him, right? Uh, that traffic will actually show up um, in our attribution funnel directly because it's usually very high quality traffic. And so we can see people coming in and converting at least to a, like a newsletter subscription or something. So from that perspective, you can, from the referral side, it's the organic SEO side that, that you, you can't make that one-to-one. -one. Okay. So as we're thinking about content marketing and thinking about all <clears throat> of the things that need to be done, you know, backlinks are obviously an important part of that. And so the other side of that was, you know, we had recommended to this client that they generate new content, but we also know they already have years and years and years worth of content. It just may not be organized the right way. So for content marketing purposes, is it more important to reorganize and re-optimize the existing content or should they be generating new content uh, and just getting all of that out? You know, doesn't that just contribute to the noise that's already out there? So this is where you need to do a content marketing audit, right? Mm -hmm. And look at each of the four pillars, creation, distribution, amplification, and performance. Where are you strongest at? Where are you weakest at? So a content inventory audit is one of the first things you do to say, okay, well, we know we have a list of topics that uh, people are searching for. Maybe if you have some predictive analytics to, to give you a sense of what's going to happen. And you say, how much content do we have that answers the intent of each of these major topics, right? Uh, you know, management consulting, change management, Google analytics. Does, you know, do we on the Trust Insights blog have that content and is it and does it fulfill the intent of the user? So that would be part mm -hmm. one. The second part is the distribution. Where are we publishing our content? Are we putting it on our blog? Yes. Are we putting it on our email newsletter? Yes. Are we putting it on uh, Facebook? No. Are we putting it on LinkedIn? Yes. And so on and so forth. So you map out and you audit where are you distributing your content. The third part is the amplification. How are you getting people's attention on that content? Are you getting backlinks? Are you getting social mentions? social shares are you running ads all these things you do that and then of course the fourth part is like is your content working you know that's where your attribution models come into place and if you don't have any from a content perspective then obviously that's a gap so that that's really is your next step is mapping out all four pillars and saying where where are we strong where are we weak but that is predicated on something you said very early on which is you need to have mapped it out to your audience Right. If you have not figured out who your audience is and what they want and why they would pay attention to you in the first place, then this whole content marketing uh, pillar system is 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 not going to work for you because you're going to make stuff that people don't want. So you got to figure that part out even beforehand. Well, and it strikes me that a lot of companies that we've been talking with uh, in recent months are all having a similar issue where the company itself may have been around for a while, so their audience tends to skew a little bit older. And so what they're struggling is struggling with is trying to figure out how do I reach a younger generation of audience where they are? What kind of content does that need to be? Can I recycle my existing content to meet the younger audience where they are? And I don't know the answer to that question because I don't know those audiences, you know, uh, in detail. But I think that's a big part of it is doing that audience analysis before you even start planning out your content because you need to know who you're creating content for and you know get the idea out of your head that content is just a 500 word blog 
I think when we think content, it's like, oh, I need to sit down and write something. That's not necessarily true. You and I right now are creating content that isn't us sitting down writing something. We're having a conversation that will then translate into it's a podcast, it's a video, it's a piece of text, it's all of those things. It becomes fodder for social posting. And it's all still considered content. Exactly. In fact, I ran a survey in my personal newsletter last week saying, hey, would you like this newsletter in text, audio, video? And I let people vote for uh, as many options as they wanted. And I was stunned by the answers. Only 38% of people said text, right? 31% said uh, audio and 29% said video. Um, I was shocked at how many people wanted my newsletter in a format other than text. I was expecting to be like 98% text and then like, you know, five people saying, I'll, I'll listen to this. I like, know it, it. And when I checked my inbox this morning after I published the results, um, I got notes back from people saying having it in multiple formats works really well for me because sometimes I want to read your newsletter and I don't want to bother the rest of the people in my house and I'll read it at 1230 in the morning. Other times I want to listen to your newsletter because I'm in the kitchen cooking and I'm like, oh, okay. So from a, when we think about those four pillars of content marketing, the creation is important, but the distribution, like you said, we almost have to figure out where and how people want to use your content. Mm -hmm. and, and that can inform a good chunk of the creation part. So it's really important to, to survey your audience, to do your market research, to, to, you know, have focus groups and things so that you can understand how are people going to consume this thing? You know, I've been, shocked at the number of people for example who still use snapchat i'm like do people still use this thing and it turns out actually yes but not for its intended purpose uh people use it essentially as a messaging platform um not a you know a photo it, you know snap calls itself a photo company it's not a, it isn't uh but people are using the application just as a a, a different form of texting um and so that audience research and researching how do people use these different platforms is so important. So it's, so you're right. It's a precursor to the content marketing piece. And so, you know, let's say Chris, you came to me and said, all right, Katie, it's time for us to do our budgeting for content marketing. Um, you know, what are we going to do this year? So it sounds like where I would start is I would, first probably want to understand well where does content marketing fit into our overall you know uh digital marketing plan does content does the creation of content lead people to buy things from us now having done our attribution reports for the past four years we know that it does we just have to make sure we have the right content so then that goes into so step one is figure out like does it contribute to your overall business goal step two Who's your audience and what are they looking for? What is their intent? Are they looking for your content to educate them? Are they looking for the content to push them over the line and make them buy something? Are they looking for the content to retain them? Maybe the answer is all of those things. So then you need to start figuring out, can I create content for my audience of who they are and where they are in the buyer's journey? So that's you know, you could have a few different kinds of combinations of content because you could also have market segments. And so you start to get into this really detailed plan of it's not good enough for me to just post a blog once a week of like, hey, here's what Trust Insights is doing, period. And assume that that's going to be good enough to reach people 
where they are and load it up on my website and say, okay, go with God. Here you go. Exactly. And, and again, that goes back to that model, create, distribute, amplify, and then, and then performance to measure the performance. When we think about content marketing, we've got to think about how are we doing all those steps and how are we budgeting for each of them? Because each of them are important. You know, we, we often say you should be spending at least 10 cents on the dollar on measurement to make sure that you're, you're, you're doing things properly, if not more than that. So that leaves you with 90% of your budget, right? And then you have these other three buckets. Well, if you are a company, you've got 12 years of content and it's still mostly relevant, right? It's still useful. It is still helpful. It still, you know, answers user intent. Then maybe you don't need to put 60% of your budget there. Maybe you can put 20% of your budget there. But then you look at your distribution. You know, do we need to... Uh, invest more in in the people who run our social media accounts we need to uh look at our servers and all that stuff and again if your infrastructure for for publication and distribution is in good shape you know maybe that's another bit of maintenance you, you know you can keep that at, as a, at a maintenance level 10 percent or so and then you look at your amplification how are you getting attention to your content how are you getting eyeballs to it if you look at your multi-touch attribution analysis and you see that organic search is like 70 percent of your conversions and your traffic, guess what? You need to be investing very, very heavily in SEO because it is already working for you. And probably, unless you are the category leader far and away, um, probably you need to be spending a lot more. The, the way I try to look at SEO results is I look for like a half and half mix of branded and unbranded, right? So if someone's searching for, if, if half of your organic traffic is from branded search terms you've done a great job with your reputation right people know you by name they're asking for you by name good job but then you should be seeing half of your traffic also coming from unbranded stuff the, the problems people have that you can solve but they don't know to ask about you by name if you're all branded and no unbranded then you're doing a great job at you know pr and mindshare but you're not answering anybody's problems that they have. And if you're all unbred and no brand, you you got some work to do on your brand. So all that factors into where we're going to spend our money. So going back to where we started, you know, how do you decide whether to spend more on creation or, or in this case, amplification? For a company that's got good content, the lion's share of your budget should be on the amplification side. Now, let's say you just you're like you know what i just want to pay i just want to put money behind my content to get it shown on other people's sites because a lot of websites sell ad space and so theoretically that is you could go about doing it that way so it's then it's not organic backlinks it's paid backlinks is that correct that's correct and um those are supposed to, and and reputable publishers will will indicate that they are paid sponsored links, and that will then no longer factor into uh, the ranking formula. So if okay, so that's an interesting point. So you can pay for amplification, but it doesn't then help your organic search results, and so that may Correct. be a misunderstanding by a lot of companies. Is no, I'm still getting all of these backlinks. Why isn't it working as intended? Because when you pay for the backlinks versus getting them organically placed, the paid backlinks aren't going to help, you know, tighten up your organic search results versus the organic ones. 
That's correct. They will not pass any uh, link juice, as the yeah. uh, as the industry insider term goes. Now, there are plenty of disreputable sites that will negotiate and say, like, we'll we'll charge you two thousand dollars for a link, but we'll charge you four thousand dollars if you want the link, and we don't and we don't disclose that it's paid. Uh, there's a lot of uh, mm. very disreputable sites. There's a lot of I can't count the number of pitches I have in my inbox for people saying, you know, we want a a do follow link as opposed to a no follow link, uh, willing to pay X dollars for for that instead. I'm like, mm, nope, because if Google ascertains that you your site is not doing according to their best practices. They'll just de-index you, and then you have you know. So you have no. Uh, there's no incentive to 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 play fast and loose unless you want to make a quick buck and then have your site vanish. So, I know we're kind of going down a little bit of a technical rabbit hole, but what is a do follow versus a no follow link <clears throat> in? Um, Website links, you can specify an attribute on that link saying that tells search engines like Google, I am voting for this other site, right? So if on Christopher S. Penn, I, I link to trustinsights.ai <laughs> and I just make a plain link with no other adornments. That's called a do follow link. That basically says I have some, uh, whatever authority my site has, I'm going to give a tiny bit of it to trustinsights.ai. And so that little bit of link juice gets passed along. And it's essentially a, a counting vote to, to say, I vote for trustinsights.ai. Mm -hmm. If I, in the code, I specify uh, that this is a no follow link, I, I'm saying to Google, you can know that I'm linking to this website, but I'm not voting for it. I'm not endorsing it. I'm not saying it's, it's, it's credible. So I'm going to keep my link juice to myself and I'm not going to give any uh to to this site and so trust insights would if google didn't know trust insights existed then it would say okay i'm going to follow that link and index it and know that it's there but i'm clearly saying that it, i understand that christopherspen.com is not voting for trustinsights.ai and so uh it wouldn't boost its reputation in, in rankings that's interesting so i never thank you for explaining that because i never really understood sort of what the difference was and what they were and so it sounds like, you know, what we're coming to in terms of your content marketing is there are no good shortcuts in terms of getting, you know, backlinks properly, getting them, you know, to get the credit to increase your organic search results and then factor into your overall content marketing plan as that factors into your overall business plan. Like, the work is the work is the work. And so trying to automate it could get you spammy links and get you, you know, blocked out by Google. Uh, spending money is fine. You'll get the traffic, but you won't get the link juice to help your organic search results, which is what the intended use of the backlinks are. Um, and working with reputable sites versus just trying to get placements anywhere because uh, that's a factor into it. So I guess what I'm hearing is shut up, do the work, get the backlinks, and just, you know, do it the right way. You're right. Now, here's where I think we can add some nuance onto your initial question. People don't link to unhelpful content, right? People link to stuff that they naturally think is either helpful or is really cool or fun or something like that, right? It's the same as with any type of content sharing. Like when you're when you share something with your friends on text messages or Slack or Discord or whatever, you don't share eh, 
stuff, right? You share like things that you like. You'll like you'll share a, a song on Spotify you actually like. You won't share some random song for fun. Uh, you will share things that you actually like. So one of the 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 flip sides to this is that your content really has to be stellar, right? Mm -hmm. People don't share okay. People don't share meh. People don't share average. People share good stuff. People don't give links to meh. People give links to I, I'm excited. I'm interested. I'm, I'm eager to share this thing. I'm pissed off when I want to share this thing. Whatever the thing is, it's got to have something that people have a strong reaction to. So if your content is all unhelpful or unentertaining, then yeah, you might need to rethink and reinvest in content that people actually care about. One of the things that you know we try very hard to do is like with our weekly newsletter, we try to provide some content in that's helpful and that you're never going to see anywhere else. You know, whether it's how brands are doing on Instagram or how to solve your wordle puzzle of the day, whatever the thing is, we're trying to figure out a way to create value and share it. And if your content doesn't have value, then you that's where you start, right? So there's a part of that content audit has to be looking at if I didn't work at this company, would I share this? And the answer is honestly, deep down inside in your heart is no, then that's where you need to start. And then you do need to invest more heavily in content. And if you're like me, and you can't educate, then you try to entertain <laughs> you tell personal stories about your own foibles and blunders and hope that people can relate to it and go, Oh, yeah, I've been there. I understand that one. Exactly. That, that, that it's it's the three E's, right? Educate, entertain, or engage. And you know, gets get people. I wouldn't. I don't. I don't, I personally don't think it's a great plan from a karma perspective to make people angry and afraid all the time. But you know that clearly works for Facebook. Um, but for other companies, yeah, entertaining and and educational content. It's hard to go wrong if you're sharing something that legitimately helps other people. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. Um, all right. So in terms of content marketing, today, I learned more about backlinks and how important they are, that you can't necessarily draw that one-to-one -one correlation of, I got this backlink, therefore, I got more sales. But understanding how backlinks work in the full 360 picture of organic search, which you can then you know, draw that connection to your sales is a helpful piece. And so backlinks is one of many components of getting better organic search results. Exactly. It's arguably one of the most important, obviously the other one being having great content, because again, mm -hmm. you know, we've told people for 20 years now, act as if there was no Google. How would you get traffic if there was no Google? What content would you create that would get people to naturally want to share your stuff with their friends? Because that's the only way it spreads um, in a sustainable manner. If if the content you're publishing is like, eh, you know, it, we we used to say at, at uh, shows if you, if it doesn't if you didn't learn something when you made it, if it, you don't laugh when you're writing it or creating it. Or if you don't love it so much that you're talking to your significant other about it unsolicited, they're like, oh my gosh, shut up. <laughs> um, then it's not good content. It's got to hit at least one of those three. Two out of three ain't bad. And all three is perfect. Mm -hmm. if, you can, if your content does all three of those things, the three L's, then you're in good shape. So part of content marketing, that, that audit is being really honest with yourself and saying, ah, you know what, this, this content doesn't teach anybody anything. It's not funny. 
and and I I wouldn't even tell my spouse about this if, even if they did ask. <laughs> well, I think that that's a great uh, place to wrap up this episode. You know, make sure you have the so what of your content. Why am I reading it in the first place? What am I getting out of it? Um, so, Chris, thank you for helping me better understand how backlinks fit into my overall content marketing plan. And if you've got comments or questions or uh, perspectives on the four pillars of content marketing that you want to share, go on over to our free Slack group. Go to trustinsights.ai slash analytics for marketers, where you and over 2,200 marketers are asking and answering each other's questions all day long. And wherever it is that you watch or listen to the show, if there's a place you'd prefer to get it, we have most of them over at trustinsights.ai slash podcast. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll catch you next time. Thank you.